Hello, my name is Helene Levy-Payne. I am an elder law attorney and founder of the Elder Law and Life Care Planning Center with offices in Wilmington and Shalote. Welcome again to our purposefully prepared web series. This is episode two, ensuring your voice is heard if you should become incapacitated. Our office has been very busy during this COVID uh, outbreak. And what does that say? It says that people are not prepared. People are waiting for crisis to strike before they're taking care of ensuring their estate planning is intact. And that is very stressful. We can work through it, but it's a very stressful place to be. So that's the importance of this web series called Purposefully Prepared. We are trying to highlight for you the things that will set you up to succeed rather than fail. And so what would failure look like in this context? Well, if you don't have powers of attorney executed and up to date, if you should become incapacitated, then there won't be anyone to speak for you to make your healthcare decisions, to make your financial decisions. And a lot of people don't understand what happens if you don't have powers of attorney. There is a proceeding called guardianship, and it actually has two prongs. One is an adjudication of incompetence where a family member or maybe the state brings an action in front of the clerk of court that's our probate court, to determine whether or not you have capacity to make decisions for your uh, finances and for your healthcare decisions. If that adjudication of incompetence is made, there will then be another prong to appoint someone to become your guardian. And that might be the person who raised their hand, maybe the person that you would have wanted to raise their hand, or it might have been the person you wouldn't have wanted to raise their hand, and yet they did. Worse is if no one you wanted was appointed, because this is in the discretion of the court. The court can assess the people that are petitioning for guardianship to determine whether or not that is a good fit. And if in their discretion that person is not suitable, they can appoint a public guardian. So that essentially is a stranger to you. That's someone that doesn't know you and that you don't know. So to avoid guardianship altogether, your strategy is to make sure that you have powers of attorney. Powers of attorney, for some reason, have become throwaway documents. They're the ones that, I don't know, came with my will and I put them away. I haven't really looked at them but at least I have my will. I'm going to reverse your orientation. And by the end of this episode, you'll understand why powers of attorney are much more important while you're living than your will. For the obvious reasons, a will takes effect when you die. Powers of attorney are gonna be the documents that carry the day if you can't make decisions for yourself. Unless you have powers of attorney or a guardianship, nothing can be done for you. 
there can be no transacting uh, of financial matters, and there can be no healthcare decisions unless that healthcare decision falls under a crisis. And in North Carolina, that would fall under our surrogacy statute. That is a list of people in hierarchy that can make decisions for you if you are found in a crisis. But that again isn't ideal because it doesn't cover every facet of healthcare decision-making. That is only in the crisis, maybe a life and death situation where the medical team is looking for guidance whether to let you die or to intervene with extraordinary measures. There are two different types of powers of attorney. One is for financial decision-making. Another is for healthcare decision-making. And in that power of attorney for healthcare, you will find your advanced directive, also known as your living will. So those are very important and should never be combined into one document, although they do refer to the other. One should not be a substitute for the other. In your financial power of attorney, you want to make sure that it's durable. If you have a power of attorney that was executed January 1, 2018 and after, then it will be presumed to be durable, meaning it survives your incapacity. But powers of attorney that were done prior to January 1, 2018 do not have that presumption. It actually must state that your power of attorney survives your incapacity in order to make sure that it's effective when you do become incapacitated. Because without a provision, either in the title of the power of attorney that says it's durable, or a paragraph within your power of attorney that says this document will survive your incapacity, without either of those, it will lapse when you become incapacitated, and that is not the desired effect. That will pour us into the guardianship world, which is what we're trying to avoid. There are two different types of powers of attorney. One that is effective immediately, meaning that once you become incapacitated, your agent can just begin acting for you. But what it also means when it's immediately effective is that even while you're well and transacting for yourself, your agent could be transacting for you, but would they? And so the answer to that question should be a resounding no. They would not act, our agents would not act if we're acting. The point of the immediate um, effectiveness piece to the power of attorney is that there'll be no lapse if incapacity does happen and it's something that happens catastrophically you know just in the blink of an eye there'll be no lapse in things being done for you decisions being made for you and that can be very beneficial the other type of power of attorney is what we call springing that means that it springs into effect upon a triggering event, and that is usually your incapacity. I know most people feel more comfortable with a springing power of attorney, but in my experience, they're not as beneficial because there will be that lapse in time where 
nothing can be done for you. There can be no financial transactions, no healthcare decisions made other than the crisis ones that can be done until your incapacity is established. And so if you feel more comfortable with the springing aspect of the power of attorney rather than the immediate, it's more likely than not that you're not comfortable with your choice of agents, the people that you have chosen to speak for you if you can't. And so that underscores a very important piece that has to be fleshed out and discussed. Your team becomes incredibly important in the second half of life. In our first half, it was different. You may have been out you against the world or you and your significant other against the world, and that seemed doable. I'm going to tell you that having practiced in this area, I know that the second half does not quite allow for that. You need a team. It is not possible for just yourself or for just the two of you to be looking out only for the other because it's possible that something could happen to both of you. Or you could be a survivor. So please begin to think about a team. And if you don't have a team of people, then get one. Those can be people that you reconnect with. Maybe you had really close friends who you trusted implicitly, but you've since lost touch with. Or maybe family members, nieces and nephews. It's very important to begin to reconnect with those people. And then, of course, ask them if they would be willing to serve in that capacity for you. Please know that they don't have to serve. When their number is called, they might be dealing with their own life struggle or incident, or they might be called away at work um, or have a very busy family life and demands on their time. They might not be able to serve for you. This is why it's important to have succession. It's important to have that list of people. Even if we never get down to the last person on the list, that doesn't matter. The point is, is that we have a long list, as long as you can get, so that we never fall into guardianship. So let's think about the important criteria for your team. Should you name agents just because, for example, they're your children? Well, maybe not. I've had some families that unfortunately could not or should not have named their children. The people that are named as agents in your powers of attorney have immense authority over you in ways that you would not even think about today. We're so busy living our lives today, almost taking for granted the fact that we can act for ourselves, that we don't really understand the power that someone could have over us if we weren't able to speak for ourselves. That person takes over. And so the fact that you trust their decision-making, that they have good decision-making, that they have integrity, they make good decisions, they manage their own lives well, that's something that should give you confidence to know that they would do the same for you. So naming your 
oldest child, for example, merely because he or she is the oldest, when in reality, they really don't make good decisions, they can't manage money, that would not be well advised. Maybe you go to the middle child or the baby for that matter, because maybe they have really shown to make great decisions and will step in for you and do a great job. Another very important aspect to powers of attorney that many people miss is something called gifting. Gifting. This is very important and people lose this piece. Gifting is the mechanism by which we do asset protection planning if we ever need to think about paying for long-term care. We want to make sure that you have unlimited gifting power that is held by your agent. Another reason to be picking people that you trust implicitly and that you know would never put their interests ahead of yours. So when you're thinking about these people, make sure that you are comfortable with someone that would have the power to gift to themselves in order to effectuate asset protection for you when needed. Most powers of attorney only contain limited gifting. And so quite often you'll see uh, gifting powers that are limited to the annual gift tax exclusion amount. And that in 2020 is $15,000. If you have amassed assets and we are facing a long-term care need that's going to require an expenditure uh, an undetermined uh, expenditure without an end in sight, it would be important to have that power because without it, your agent will be forced to spend your assets on your care. And that might be okay with you. I always like to have the gifting power and the trusted people in place just in case. In order to give options, if we don't have that power, we don't have options. If your agent has that power and they're trusted, we have many options. So always remember, the powers of attorney are not the ones that you can download off the internet or get from someone who deals, get, get from a lawyer who is in general practice and kind of does real property, criminal law, and wills and trusts. That could be harrowing because the power of attorney that you'll get will likely be very basic and will be limited to transactional authority only. What I'm discussing is the ability to asset protect, and that can only be done with that gifting provision. But of course, we want to be clear that you don't give that gifting authority blindly and you don't give it to people that won't be able to navigate that well. So that's why that decision needs a lot of discussion and collaboration because we want to make sure that when it's triggered, it will be triggered responsibly. For some reason, lots of people feel that if people aren't local, that they wouldn't make good agents. That's not true. 
we have the ability to work remotely given the internet, online banking, we have Zoom platform. Your agent can be very present, even if it's virtually, and involved in any decisions that have to be made, even though they're not living locally. If that is something that's important to you, please know that your agent, if he or she can't make it here themselves for visits periodically, they have the authority to hire people to do that for them, to be their eyes and ears on the ground. But they're still the ones that you are trusting to make decisions for you. And so that's a good thing. They can make that good decision from anywhere. The next power of attorney is called the healthcare power of attorney. This is the one that lists people that can make healthcare decisions for you, not just medical decisions. Your healthcare power of attorney has awesome power over you, not just to make decisions in a crisis, an end of life decision, for example, but things that are much more personal to you. So things like what state you live in. Your healthcare agent can pluck you from here and take you there, the state that they live in. And they can do that if it would make it easier for them to execute on their duties as your agent. And so if you didn't want to live in Michigan, for example, because you live here, then that's something that you should give great thought to. In addition to deciding what state you live in, your agent can also decide what environment you need to be in. Remember, if your agent is operating for you, it means you're not making decisions for yourself because you can't. And so if you need to be placed somewhere or receive care, heightened care, will you receive that care at home or will you receive it in a facility? That it will be up to your agent the quality of care will be up to your agent and how it's paid for will be up to your financial agent. So it's important that either you choose the same people to be your agent for your financial decisions as well as your healthcare decisions, or if you pick different people, make sure that they get along and that they can reach consensus because if they don't, that will result in a stalemate. And so very often, we encourage people to use the same people if at all possible. That person can then take into account your entire life and make good decisions for you. If you do choose different people, and by the way, that's perfectly okay, some people are really good managing money, but not so compassionate, for example. Maybe they're not so empathetic. They're not able to put themselves in your situation and take um, and have compassion on the decisions they, that they make for you. So if you find that your agents possess different qualities, then that's fine to name different people. However, if they can't agree, make sure that you have some provision that will allow for an ultimate decision maker, someone who will have authority to, to break the tie or break the impasse if your agents can't reach an agreement. Also, please be aware that your healthcare agent can restrict the people that have visitation rights. Now, this is a touchy area because under the law, that is not permitted. 
However, there are facilities that think they have to defer to the healthcare agent on visitation. And certainly that might be needed. So if your healthcare agent sees that after a visit, you are severely emotionally distressed, you're crying, something really went down, your healthcare agent can restrict the visitation from that person. And the facility will honor that. Your healthcare agent, by restricting them, they're serving their duty. However, there'll be other circumstances where your healthcare agent is restricting visitation, but for reasons other than what I just talked about. That might be, for example, if you're in a second or subsequent marriage and you named children as your agents and your first child that you chose never liked that spouse. They didn't like Joe or Matilda. And so they restrict Joe or Matilda from visiting you. And that could cause extreme upset because that's the person who in this world you want to see more than anyone. And so please be mindful of that awesome power that that agent can have. And when you're choosing your people, make sure you're choosing them with this in mind. The next part of your healthcare power attorney is your advanced directive. This is also known as the living will. Lots of you think that this is the end of life document, and you would be right, except that's not all it is. End of life is very important, and that needs to be discussed. But there are other things that need to be discussed that need to be given voice. When you are nowhere near death, you are living but incapacitated. And that is where the healthcare power of attorney and advanced directive is most important because in those situations, you will be aware of what happens to you, for you, around you. Lots of people think that because they're incapacitated, that somehow they're just non-existent. That is not true. Incapacity is a spectrum. It's a continuum. And it fluctuates even within that continuum. And so we have given, we have taken great measures to contemplate many different variations of what a decision maker may need to decide in your advanced directive. Things that go well beyond uh, healthcare decisions that need to be done for end of life. There are things about being relieved of pain, being free from pain and suffering, whether or not you would want um, minor surgery or major surgery, and what kind of surgery would that be? Do you want to be put on a ventilator or a respirator? Do you want to be put on a respirator or a ventilator? Those are becoming decisions that are of paramount importance when we're dealing with sickness like COVID or like the flu. Any kind of severe respiratory illness that would require assistance would require that decision. Here's another important tip. If you are a caregiver for a person living with dementia, make sure that inside your wallet, you have some brightly um, indicated 
notification that says that you are a caregiver for someone living with dementia, that maybe you're the sole caregiver, so that that person, the first responder that is dealing with your crisis or your accident can ensure that someone is going to respond and make sure that the person living with dementia is situated. That would also apply to pets. If you have pets at home and you know that you're the sole caregiver for that pet, make sure that you identify that as well so that those pets can be taken care of. Digital assets are also important. Please make sure that if you have passwords and usernames, that your agent has access to them to continue your online banking, your financial management that you do online. That's very, very important. And make sure that your agent has access to your email, username, and passwords, as well as social media. That can be Facebook, your website if you have one. You want to make sure that if you have subscriptions, that your agent is aware of them and can handle them in the event of your incapacity. Make sure you join us for episode three of Purposefully Prepared, where we'll be talking about making sure that your estate plan, your overall estate plan, speaks to and coordinates with one another. That's incredibly important. So if you have a joint account, for example, and you pass away, there's a situation where your daughter-in-law can actually have access to that account. If that's something that you're not comfortable with, then tune in for our next episode. Mm -hmm.